You're listening to Living Healthy Longer by the Columbine Health System Center for Healthy Aging. Hi, everyone. Over the past year, I have gotten to talk to researchers and community partners across the aging space to produce this podcast for all of you. And here we are. This is our last episode of season one. We are taking a break for the next couple months as we wrap up some end of year projects at the center, but Living Healthy Longer will be back in January with a fresh set of new episodes. So from me to you, I hope you all have happy holidays surrounded by friends and family and that amidst these ongoing pandemic circumstances that you stay healthy. If you're a longtime listener, you know that I end each episode by asking my guest what their best advice for healthy aging is. And with the help of Allie Murphy, our admin assistant at the center, we thought it would be fitting to conclude this season by revisiting everyone's answers to that question. So on today's show, a compilation of advice for healthy aging from researchers and friends affiliated with the Center for Healthy Aging. I hope you enjoy. I'm your host, Hannah Hallisker, and this is Living Healthy Longer, a podcast from the Columbine Health System Center for Healthy Aging at Colorado State University. First up is Dr. Nicole Earhart, director of the Center for Healthy Aging, from our inaugural episode about the hallmarks of aging. Oh, that's such a good question. So, okay, I'll take it from the perspective of, we know aging is modifiable. So what can we do today to modify? And we know that like there are things that have been 100% proven to change how we age. One is lifelong habit of exercise, daily exercising. The other is caloric restriction. So, you know, not overeating. Um, and there's a lot of evidence in intermittent fasting or periods of, you know, non-feeding versus feeding in the day has been shown across um, species to actually prolong life, healthy life, um, diminishing stress. Um, so mindfulness, um, you know, using time, getting good sleep. All of those things are things we can do right now that can change things. And it doesn't matter how old you are, there's a benefit to it for our aging. It's a benefit for our health in general, our health in general. But yes, those are the things we can do today. But the other thing you can do today is number one, continue to be educated. Um, I direct people to our website, which is a great resource to continue to hear the latest and greatest in healthy aging research. But that's one way, keep, keep being educated, support research. Um, if you have the ability to do research, you know, and you're interested in aging, you know, reach out to us or others who can help connect you with the, with people. Um, support research financially if that's what how you're able to contribute. Um, you know, and continuing to you know engage people um, in seeing how important this is for not just our own individual health but the health of the planet. You know, we're really facing what we call an aging crisis. So. Um, I think these are all areas where people, anybody can be involved in this and anybody can change not only their own aging pathway, but they can contribute to a gen the general knowledge of, you know, how do we get, you know, these really promising discoveries to people. I don't think we're that far out, Hannah. I think we're going to be seeing these things become, 
in our lifetimes for sure, but probably within the next 10 years. And that's so exciting. So um, I just hope that people will continue to keep in touch, uh, listen to these podcasts, because I think there's going to be huge amounts of information we're going to keep the, on the cutting edge um, and continue to engage because we'd love to be the, you know, kind of leading resource for all things related to healthy aging research. Tom LaRocca, an assistant professor of health and exercise science and a faculty member at the Center for Healthy Aging from our episode on the biology of health span. I, you know, I'll always default back to what we do know, and that's the, the best thing that you can tell people, um, is that we know that physical activity and a good diet are healthy. Um, and to, to the best of your abilities, I think you should do those things. You should try to be physically active. You should eat a good diet, whatever kind of diet it is. I don't, I think there's a lot of discussion about what the best diet is, but as long as it's not a bad diet, you're, you're in good shape. You got your whole foods um, in there. You should, you're, you're playing pretty balanced. Yeah. yeah. Correct. Correct. Um, and then uh, trying to be socially engaged with family, friends, and have a positive disposition and probably get enough sleep. These are things that make a lot of sense intuitively. And I think people should, should try to do those things. I try to do those things as much as I can. Um, my, I guess my takeaway on the my personal takeaway is that um, it seems to me, I'm not sure how well I can articulate this, but what sort of seems to be crystallizing from a lot of the work that people are doing in this space to me is that if you wanna maximize your lifespan or health span, you almost need to think about it as sort of a journey from point A to point B. And you can insert whatever analogy or metaphor you want in here. So let's say you're in a car and you're going to make that journey from point A to point B, or it could be a sailboat, whatever, whatever you want here, or drawing a line between those two points with a pen that has a limited amount of ink in it and the car has a limited amount of gas in it and the sailboat. Well, I guess the wind is a bad example, right? <laughs> um, you know, the, if, if you only have so much gas in your car and you can only make it a certain distance, what you really want to do is drive that car conservatively to try to maximize your gas mileage, sort of drive it in a straight line, don't take major detours. And if we're speaking in metaphors, major detours might be, you know, majorly stressful periods of life or long stretches of time where you're eating a terrible diet or something like that. You know, you should put good gasoline in the car. So that would be a healthy diet and that sort of thing. And maybe it's a cheesy analogy, but I, I think actually the idea of sort of imagining that you have to sort of conserve your resources and get as far as you can without picking up a lot of damage or injury or running into a lot of trouble along the way, for me is, is the best way to understand the way things seem to be pointing in the health span space. Yeah. Deanna Davalos, a professor of cognitive neuroscience and associate director at the Center for Healthy Aging, from our episode, Cognitive Decline Isn't Destined. So as soon as you can write, um, so I don't know, kindergarten, um, every day, every single day of your life, write down something that you're going to do for healthy aging. Just every day. And I don't care if it's 15 minutes 
or 30 minutes, but for the rest of your life, if you're listening every day, write down something that's going to make you age more healthy. And, and it should start immediately for everyone. And that can be any of those things that we've talked about. Um, it can be swapping out an unhealthy meal for a healthy meal that day, or I'm going to take the stairs and t- instead of the elevator, or I'm going to go out in the sunshine and get some vitamin D instead of sitting in front of a computer. Um, all of those. I'm going to, I'm going to call someone, even though honestly, I'm not, I'm like Hannah and Deanna and I kind of am a <laughs> social phobe. I'm going to still like do it. I'm going to get some social interaction, but there should not be a day that goes by that you don't do something that is going to put you on that pathway to healthy aging. Karen Hamilton, a professor of health and exercise science and associate director at the Center for Healthy Aging from the episode titled Healthy Muscle Aging. To the best that you're able, stay active, stay active, keep moving your your whole life. However, um, if you haven't been moving, haven't been physically active your whole life, don't think, eh, too late to start. Um, it's absolutely not too late to start. Um, depending on your um, current health and um, you know, your abilities, it's probably very important to consult with um, your, your physician as well as a fitness professional before you start on something for the very first time. But being physically active is, is really the best kind of stress. I've been using the word stress a lot, but we know very well the beneficial adaptations to physical activity, and we know very well the negative adaptations to inactivity. So um, to whatever degree one can, making physical activity as routine as brushing your teeth or eating is, is probably the best advice for, for healthy aging. I would say a positive attitude and um, taking good care of yourself, being a good consumer of, of your health is also a, an important thing to do too. I think we're on the cusp, on the crest of, of some pretty big breakthroughs in um, being able to even capitalize on a, a physically active lifestyle. A lot of what's looking the most promising in terms of adding to a healthy lifestyle, another treatment or another um, secret bullet, all of those things seem to mimic what happens in response to physical activity. So um, that can be helpful down the road, particularly for folks who are like me, starting to get to where your, your, um, your body is telling you you can do a little bit less than what you really want to do or what you used to do. So I think there there are some promising steps forward um, in terms of being able to supplement that down the road, but a little too soon for prime time right now. Jenny Cross, a professor and community sociologist from our episode on the science of team science. So my best advice for living a good life, my best advice for having a great team, my best advice for healthy aging is that It's all about relationships. Human beings are fundamentally social creatures. And we all have learned during this pandemic, as we watch kids struggle to learn at home, we're being reintroduced to the idea 
that learning is actually a social event. Learning is not something that we do by ourselves in isolation. And so teaming is when we get to learn with other people and we actually do that in relationships. So as human beings, we grow, advance and learn through social interaction with other people and building relationships where we trust other people and we feel cared for is what helps us learn better. It's what helps us perform better on scientific teams and it's what helps us age well. Stu Tobit, a professor of biomedical sciences and director of CSU's School of Biomedical Engineering, from the episode on hormonal programming. I tell everybody in all the classes I teach, they should care about evidence and they should look for evidence in everything they do. Everyone, you know, the ultimate split is everyone's their own experiment. You can always experiment with things that make you feel better or not by simply doing them or taking it for two weeks on, two weeks off. Can you tell a difference? Um, You know, the the myth of aging is that your body's ultimately going to fall apart. And and that's, for the most part, not true. If you fall apart, you know, when you're 65, um, chances are there's other things going wrong uh, that you can blame things on than simply aging. Um, But you are your best source of evidence. And so I I go back to, you know, thinking about whether or not um, taking a banana before you go to sleep is a good thing or a bad thing for you. Bananas are high in one of those amino acids that has a tendency to get turned into a a neurotransmitter in your brain that that tends to promote sleep. So is that a good thing or a bad thing? Don't know. Um, Different people are going to function with more or less sleep. You might ask yourself, if I go two weeks and I actually change the amount of sleep I get, do I feel better or worse? So you're your own best source of information. And by listening to a lot of people who are basically doing that lumping exercise, you're listening to a lot of people that might not be talking to you, but be talking to somebody else. So the best advice I would give is uh, experiment on yourself. Dean Lisa Youngblade of the College of Health and Human Sciences from our episode on Lifespan Developmental Science. So I don't know if I'm going to say it so much as from what I research as um, what I think about in supporting my work and the work of others and really reflecting on this, um, you know, growth in our knowledge uh, over time about aging and and how we think about it. And I guess I would sum it up by saying, uh, maintaining a positive outlook on aging. I think we've talked about this before, but the power of cultural stereotypes that lead to messages that aging is something that's immutable, it's negative, it's to be feared and avoided. Um, But we know from the work that we're doing, from the tremendous knowledge, um, and more and more emerging each and every day, um, that there are incredible ways that we can enhance our journey, that we can extend our health span, that we can live successfully and meaningfully. So we have much to learn from those ahead of us on that journey, much to teach those who follow us. So I guess I would summarize that positive thing with maybe advice that probably everybody on your show might give um, is to enjoy healthy nutrition, to stay physically active, to exercise, to get enough sleep, to stay socially connected, um, to continue to learn and challenge your mind. Um, I would say this is good advice for healthy aging, but 
for everybody on whatever step they are along the way, it's good advice in the moment. Director of the One Health Institute, Dr. Sue Vanderwood, from our episode on the One Health approach to people, animals, and the environment. Great. And you did give me this question in advance so I could think about it. This was the hardest question, honestly. Um, <laughs> I, of course, personalize, well, maybe not a course, but I personalized it and thought, well, what makes me, you know, feel like I, what I want to do as I age. And I think that's um, maybe coming to uh, a peace with yourself and um, acknowledging like what's important in life. And I think this past year certainly brought that home to everybody, right? So family, having a shelter. Um, and then the other piece of it is I've done, been doing a lot of reading because I am becoming older, like we all do, um, and, and wondering how that's going to be when I lose some of the capabilities I have either mentally or physically. And um, one of the things that's been kind of helpful to, to read is that there are quite a lot of studies or some studies showing that as you age, you actually become happier, which is a little bit counterintuitive, that some of the explanation for that is you spend less time doing things that you know you don't want to do. And so you can do more things you enjoy and um, derive more pleasure. So this isn't really a translational thing so much, but it may involve like next, I'm really looking forward to this spring to getting some baby chicks or baby uh, turkeys so I can raise them. And so that's how my human animal interactions is going to feed my, my enjoyment and healthy aging and um, so I'm not sure that exactly answered your question. It's more philosophical and personal opinion than a scientific um, assessment. Becca LaSalle, a CSU alumna and occupational therapist from our episode titled Nature-Based Interventions for Cognitive Decline. Yeah, so I think with my background as an occupational therapist, I think my advice is is this, you know, try to still do the things that you love in a safe way and, and remembering the importance of doing things that bring you joy, that interest you, that fascinate you, that make you curious um, and try to continue to do that as you age in a safe way. I think that's the big takeaway for me, that it is important to still be able to do things in your community that you love. And along the way, you may experience benefits like positive emotional experiences, or you may use the capacities you have um, and be able to tap into them and, and hopefully keep you feeling healthy and, um, you know, keep you moving and keep you doing things. So that was my, my big takeaway. Neha Loda an assistant professor of health and exercise science from our episode on stroke awareness. So my best advice for successful aging is um, to do all you can to maintain independence in your mobility. So independent mobility means that you can move, walk and drive safely in your community so that you can really engage with your family and friends and also socially with other people. So I believe that uh, independent mobility is the key to healthy aging because it enables us to do the things that uh, matter most to us and also 
allow us to lead a long, healthy, and happy life. Tara Sipon Robbins, an assistant professor at the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, from our episode about the microbiome and aging. Yeah, so it really seems like being exposed to a lot of microbes when we're younger is important for cultivating a healthy microbiome. And then continuing to feed the good members and to avoid taking unnecessary medications that can cause dysbiosis in your gut, for instance. So taking antibiotics unnecessarily could lead to you wiping out the lovely, lovely, uh, ecosystem that you've cultivated. But that's not to say don't take antibiotics if your doctor prescribes them because obviously they know better about what you need to take than I do. But the part of the problem is that in the US we kind of overuse antibacterial hand soaps and we overuse antibiotics and that can cause a lot of problems for us. So just, I think being cognizant about that. And that would be, I think the biggest advice is changing the way that we think about ourselves. So don't think about ourselves, don't think about yourself as an individual, but rather an ecosystem that's full of other organisms that can help you with digestive and metabolic and immune health. Um, and then live in a way that helps to cultivate these relationships in some way. And it's really hard. As I said, I'm a self-professed germaphobe. I have a three-year-old and I know she needs to be exposed to things, but when she's sitting there splashing around in mud and dirt, I still want to jump in and stop her because it's like this urge that we have to be really clean. But if we think about how important it is to be exposed to this diversity of microorganisms throughout our lives and to maintain our health, then that can change how we live and interact with our environment in a good way. And I think, so I wanna just quickly say that it's difficult during this pandemic, especially because there are definitely pathogens that we should not be exposed to like SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19 um, that we should be avoiding to the best of our ability. And by avoiding that, we're actually avoiding a whole lot of stuff. So we're exposed to way fewer environment environments than we normally would. I haven't gotten a cold in over a year. And I have a three-year-old. We had a cold every week back before the pandemic. So it's interesting to think about all of that and think about how this well-advised shut-in in our lifestyles will um, kind of affect our microbiome and our health into the future. But I think a lot of it's just so uncontrollable that I think changing our mindset, it might be a good way to start. Professor Susan Bailey from CSU's Department of Environmental and Radiological Health Sciences from our episode on aging in outer space and the NASA twins study. Well, it might be not going to space. <laughs> I, don't know if that, I don't know how good that's going to be for your aging potential, but... <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, beyond that, again, if I can expand my vision a little bit more and, and look even a, several hundred years maybe <laughs> ahead, I think kind of like we um, touched on, but just realizing that there are the daily choices we make really do make a difference in the long haul. And I think, you know, if we can um, kind of put that in a, a new perspective, 
Um, I know there are companies out there that will, you know, like measure your telomere length, for example, and or you know, and, and give you an idea of where you're at um, with aging. But I it, I am um, hopeful that that one day will be part of like our physical exams. You know, just every year when you give blood, you're, you're going to get your telomere length measured because then you can start to kind of look at it over time and, and make some decisions. You know, am I, am I, is there something more I could be doing um, to improve my health span? Uh, and, and really look at it like that rather than so much of a, you know, a biological age. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But I think, you know, and and again, back to the passion thing, you know, finding the things in life that, that you really enjoy and, and that hopefully soon all of us will be able to be able to get back to doing. <laughs> um, uh, so, I, you know, those things certainly. Julie Moreno an assistant professor also in the Department of Environmental and Radiological Health Sciences, from our episode on the cellular mechanisms of neurodegeneration. So I do think, and maybe not my research, but going back to this idea of hope, um, at least for me personally, I think taking a positive attitude towards it and knowing that there are people out there trying to research this if I, if I was a person, if I go back to my grandmother, it, if I was dealing with that right this second, I mean, she's, she's passed away, but I, I think that it would be nice for me to always remember that there are people researching it. And although it might not happen in her lifetime, that maybe eventually it will. And that that's all we can really hope for, you know? Um, I mean, there's a lot out there on being just positivity, being healthy, like, being more positive is going to keep you healthier. So, and that's totally true for your brain because your brain is what affects you, right? Like the, if you're more positive, your brain, your cells are going to be happier, have less of that cellular stress accumulating in your brain. And so, yeah, I think, I think having a positive attitude, even when there are people all around us that are afflicted by these diseases. Associate Professor of Human Development and Family Studies, Gloria Luong, in our episode about the importance of social connection. Yeah, what a good question. So it sounds like a lot of other people have already said social connection, so I'll shift it a little bit. And I'll say that, you know, our mindsets matter so much more than we might realize. So the way that we might approach life, our goals, what we want, Uh, That is so important. And so how we view aging is also incredibly important, whether we think that we have a lot of control over our ability to shape what we're going to look like 10, 20, 50 years from now, um, for better or worse. I think that's that's incredibly important. And there's so much research coming out. One of my dear colleagues, Manfred Deal, has been doing some work looking at how just our attitudes toward aging, whether it's kind of more positive or negative, or if we feel like we have more control control over that also seems to be related to better outcomes. So people have better cognitive health, better physical health, better mental health. And I don't know if it's one of those things where you wish it and you will it and then it happens, or if it's the case that people who are already faring well also just tend to like think 
about aging in a more uh, positive way. But whatever it is, I still can't emphasize enough that the way that we think about things is is very powerful. That psychological aspect of, you know, how am I approaching this stressful experience? How am I approaching my emotional experiences is so powerful. So going back to our theme, you know, if you're feeling socially isolated and alone and you're feeling like your needs aren't being met, what what is your mindset about that? What what is your approach to just think, you know what, I guess this is how life is going to be and I'll just suck it up and deal with it? Or are you thinking, okay, like strategically, what are the steps I can take to really, you know, plan out like how I'm going to meet new friends or further cultivate and and really deepen the relationships that I have? If I'm not happy with the intimacy I have with my romantic partner, how can I work through that with this person? And I think having that kind of mindset will go a long way when it comes to healthy aging. Peggy Budai, a nurse practitioner at UC Health, from our episode about hugs during the pandemic. Well, I would say that my my best advice is to give and receive hugs and to sing, even if you have a terrible singing voice like I do, and to enjoy music. Um, I grew up never being a... Uh, musician I like I said I don't sing well um but because of my understanding of the amazing impacts of music and movement I myself have learned to play the Native American flute and I try to play a little bit of it every day and it's amazing how it's helped me to um feel happier and um I can't imagine that it's not going to improve my my experience of aging Arlene Schmid, a professor of occupational therapy, from our episode on the benefits of yoga. I mean, really keep moving. Um, and, and I hope that that movement includes yoga, but I think moving, keeping, <laughs> keeping going. And so even when something, you know, sometimes we start getting a little older and some things start hurting, but I think more things will hurt if we don't move. And I once heard a great piece of advice that I love. And it is, if you want to take care of yourself when you're 80, you better take care of yourself when you're 40 and 50 and 60. And that includes movement and what we eat and do all day long. Dr. Felix Dorr, an associate professor at CSU's Veterinary Teaching Hospital, from our episode titled Arthritis from Dogs to People. My advice would be to, you know, to make this a little bit more specific rather than just say, go get a dog, (laughs) which is maybe go to the Humane Society, pick out uh, one of those mutts because they actually have less orthopedic disease and they're great dogs. And then go to whichever pet store you want to go to and buy a leash (laughs) and then train your dog to bring that leash to you whenever he or she wants to go for a walk. I, I think it's the, the the best thing you can do because it will impact you in so many ways. Like I said, the joy of being with a dog and then the uh, forced to exercise, to being active. And, you know, you get to meet people, you get to relax, you get to see them smile. So that would be my advice. Registered dietitian, nutritionist, and director of the Kendall Reagan Nutrition Center at CSU, Shelby Cox, 
from our episode about nutrition tips for healthy aging. I think probably my main piece of advice is to look at health as a multifaceted, you know, a multifaceted process. Because I think sometimes, even in my space, we start talking nutrition and it's all about what you eat and and the exact nutrients and things like that. But the reality of our health is that it's much bigger. And so, you know, a lot of the work that I do uh, is really looking at how we really define health and, and health includes our mental health. It includes our social health. It includes our physical health. Uh, And so, just reminding people that it's not just what you eat, although it's important. It's not just exercise, although it's important, right? And so just really making sure to look at health as as a multifaceted process. And I think when we do that and give attention to all of those areas, right, uh, that I think is is the best way to age in a healthy way. And also, um, like I said, bridge that gap between happiness and quality of life and health. Postdoctoral Research Associate Devin Wall from the HealthSpan Biology Lab and our episode on anti-aging diets. Yeah, my best advice for healthy aging, my number one advice is to laugh and smile. Laugh and smile. (laughs) Don't worry about the small things. Uh, Surround yourself with good people. Surround yourself with good friends keep your your closest people your family um safe and close to you and um and take care of yourself and and exercise and it doesn't have to be a lot but it can be you know 30 40 minutes three four times a week i think exercise is a very very good way to live a healthy life and smile while you're exercising and laugh while you're exercising (laughs) and uh, and finally, uh, since we talked about diet on this show, just eat a well-rounded, healthy diet and um, eat everything in, in moderation, well-rounded and, and healthy. Dr. Christine Lum Lung, CEO and founder of Origin Healthcare, from our episode titled Hospital at Home Healthcare. I think um, I would love to say that I have the quick fix, silver um, bullet that everyone looks for, but it's really all the stuff that everybody knows and really that your center does such a great job talking about on podcasts and all of your other avenues. It's to eat well, get exercise, you know, stay active, stay social. From a physician standpoint, take your medications, make sure you're following up with your physicians. And I think, you know, just to, you know, step off to really bring back what we were talking about. The one other thing that I would say um, is to stay engaged um, with your healthcare. Um, we started the show talking about how difficult healthcare is. And again, I know as a physician and I know as a daughter um, how challenging healthcare is to navigate. Um, please stay actively engaged with us, advocate for yourself, know that there are teams like Origin out there that are fighting to bring you healthy ways of receiving your medical care and advocating for you. And so continue to look for those partners that are supporting you and use your your voice um, to help support yourself in your health journey. And finally, Meredith Guerrero, Chief Operating Officer of the Colorado Longitudinal Study, from our latest episode about biobanking. Um, this is not a particularly scientific answer, I guess, but 
Um, the more I work on coals and the more I work with really passionate people and the more um, convinced I am that coals is uh, a valuable endeavor, I just think that living your life with with something bigger than yourself that you're passionate about and creating a community around that is just so, so valuable. Um, like a lot of people today, I know I have struggled with depression and anxiety and something about having a sense of purpose that is bigger than oneself just feels like the ultimate um, resiliency factor for me. So I'm so grateful that I've been experiencing that um, healthy aging because of my work. I know other people can find it through volunteering or community organizations or your friends, but um, having something bigger than yourself just helps put everything into perspective. And I'm, I don't know, it just, it makes me really excited for the next decades of my life that I can be contributing to something I care about. So there it is, folks, 22 episodes and one season of advice on healthy aging. I have so enjoyed having these conversations with all of these incredible people. We will see you in January 2022. Thank you for listening to this episode of Living Healthy Longer, a podcast from the Center for Healthy Aging at CSU. Remember to follow us on social media at CSU Healthy Aging. And visit our website at healthyaging.colostate.edu.